to put it in my pocket. So uh, this doesn't do any good if, uh, if you don't have the, the hookup with it. So I'll use this one. Is that good? This, this is the preaching trick mic because when it's quiet, I can pull it away. And then when it's super serious, I can get right here. So I'll just roll with it. That's what I, that's what I love to do. How's everybody doing today? You doing all right? Good. Turn to your neighbor. Somebody's sitting next to you and ask them how they're doing. I'm super glad that you're here. I'm glad that uh, whatever had to work out, worked out today so that you could be a part of what God's going to do in this service for you, in your life, in your soul, in your mind. And the same with everybody watching on, on uh, Facebook and on, online. Um, I'm glad that everybody has joined us because this week, as we do every week, our staff has been praying that, man, God, during this time, during this time that you're here, that we're here on this campus, can we use that time? for God to speak into our life, to do something to change us, to draw us closer to him, to make us more like what he envisioned us to be. Wouldn't that be great? If God could just, wouldn't that be great if you could just come through the doors and say yes, and God would just abracadabra you sometimes? Wouldn't that be awesome? Just, it's a little heavy on this shoulder, Lord, if you could just take some of this off. But you know what I have found? I have found that when I give time to God, it's amazing. I don't, I don't sometimes get a physical sign that it's happening. But it's amazing when I give time to God consistently, whether that's Sunday or through the, the week in the mornings, that God can do a miraculous things if I'll just give him some time to do those things. So we're in the middle of a series called Made for More. The last couple of series, we try to alternate them, but the last couple of series have really been about teaching us. Uh, two, seri- two months ago, it was the, over the book of Galatians. We tried to do a book of the Bible once or twice a year just to give you some practical Bible knowledge. And then last month, getting ready for Easter and leading up to Easter, we talked about the way of the cross and what, what all that meant, what Jesus did on the cross, how it changed our lives, ought to change our lives, uh, change everything about our faith. And this month, we're talking about made for more. And it's really based off of uh, one of our core values at South Point, which is potential. We have seven core values. And we don't, we don't talk about them a whole lot, but they really, uh, you can see them on the wall in, in Common Grounds in our little cafe, but they really drive everything. They drive our ministries. They drive our outreaches. Yes, love God, love people out on the wall. That's our purpose for everything. But those core values behind it, those are the things we want to see come out of that. Things like community. It's one of the reasons we do small groups. One of the reasons we do lots of things is because of our uh, core values. One of them is uh, transformational living. We hope that from the time you say yes to Jesus to the time you breathe your last breath, that God is consistently transforming you. You're consistently saying yes to him. And today we're talking about really this series was inspired by one of our core values that is potential. Potential is really something that, as, as we put together the first year that my wife and I, Jenny and I, were here as pastors of South Point, that we put together some core values that would drive our ministries, that would drive who we are. Really prayed and asked God about that. And as God showed us throughout the entire Bible, God's always ready for the people to take the next step. It's always the people that are like, nope, 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 hold on, hold on. Let's, let's go a little slower. Let's slow down. Have you, has anybody in here ever ridden a horse? Have you ever ridden a horse? Um, our senior year, he was saying when he graduated, as everybody was saying all their big plans, but instead of going to college, he was going for the summer, he was going to go to Montana and work on a, a giant ranch in Montana, and he was going to bring back a wild stallion. Okay, Stephen was his name. Okay, get after it, Stephen. 
Well, just so happens when we graduated about a week later, Stephen and Kevin, the two guys that run around together, they moved to Montana. And I was like, how cool. I hope they get to go do their thing. Well, he was, Stephen was a good friend of my good friend. And one day toward the end of the summer, about August, he calls him and he says, hey, uh, he called Brent. Stephen did, and he said, hey, I'm heading back into town. He said, we'll be there in about an hour. Meet us at the, the fairgrounds. I want to show you all something. I'm like, okay, great. I had no idea. I, I totally forgot about the, the whole stallion, the whole wild horse thing. We show up at the fairgrounds, and Stephen, had, they pull up in his truck, and his windshield is gone, and it looks like you've rolled it down the Rocky Mountain a couple of times. It, his truck looked really bad, but behind it was a horse trailer, and it had a shaggy horse in it, a horse with hair about three or four inches long all over it. And we, I just thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. I asked him first, before we get to the horse, what happened to your windshield? And he said, well, about Amarillo, we hit the biggest hailstorm we've ever seen, I've ever seen. He said it busted our windshield, so we got out our goggles and our bandanas and wrapped it up, and we kicked out the windshield and just drove it on home. That right there is all you need to know about Stephen, all right? That, that just pretty much, he's a, highway patrol, a highly decorated highway patrolman now, and he is just, uh, he, that's his thing, man. You're not going to stop me. Well, long story short, as he pulls up, he lets out, has on a rope, he lets out one of the coolest looking animals I'd ever seen in my life, a big old giant muscled up furry horse, and led it into the, there we go, and led it into the, uh, I just, I feel like I'm here by myself now, I can't can't see anything. We can, we can click that sermon button back there on that thing. It'll work great. Um, where was I at? Yeah, there we go. I have a one-track mind. It just went right in the ditch right there. Stephen led that horse into the, into the corral and uh, then into the arena. And for the next, until he couldn't handle it anymore, for the next couple of hours, I watched him get bucked off in every possible way you could. And then he loaded it back up in the trailer, and we all kind of gave high five. And he said, it's a process with these things, and went on. And I, I'm not kidding you. I can't tell you how many times throughout my spiritual life, since I gave my life to Christ in college, and I can't tell you the last 20 years that I've thought about that scenario. Like, let's see, I'm the horse, <laughs> And God was Stephen. And he, he, he could have made me. He could have hobbled a leg. I don't know if you've ever seen that where you can hobble, you, you tie a leg up on a horse so they can't buck you off and they have to walk slow and, and you, you kind of break their spirit that way and teach them, I'm the boss. God could do that to us. But isn't it great that he doesn't? Isn't that great that at first it's not even a bit because there's no way you're going to put your hand near a wild stallion's mouth. He will bite you. Even if you get in this general area, he'll bite you. They're known for biting chunks out of people. Isn't that a beautiful animal that you want to ride around on? But can I tell you that it took him about two months of consistent work in that horse and becoming his friend and feeding him and spending time with him and then eventually getting on him again and trying to break him and finally got him where he was broken and he could ride him. And it was just the coolest thing. And, and I thought about that for years is that... That horse had, and, and of course you get into the whole, is it better wild or whatever. Let me just tell you, people are not better wild. That's a good spot for an amen there. Y'all missed it, all right? <laughs> it, the, we are not better wild. We're better with God. That's, that's our best life. And that's why when we talk about potential at South Point, I look at even, even the great men and women of God throughout the Bible. Moses, Deborah, Elijah, all Mary and all these people who at first said, 
No. How can that be? You got the wrong person. I'm not qualified. All these different excuses. And God said, yes, but hold on a minute. Hold on. I see in you who I created you to be. Before the world gets a hold of us, before we get all mean and scruffy and shaggy and all that kind of stuff, I, I want to I walk with you. And I want to teach you how to follow my lead. And what's great is when you really get a horse really good and comfortable with you, you don't even need reins. I have some relatives that are world record holder, quarter horse, or cutting horse owners and trainers. And he can sit on that horse and cross his arms and just with the flick of his knees, just barely touching them with his knees and sometimes not even that, sometimes he just knows, okay, that white cow, that's the one we're going to cut out of the herd. And that horse will walk up and creep like a dog and it's the strangest thing. And he said, that's years and years and years and years of training. And I look at that and I go, that's just like us. Isn't that funny how God works all of these things into our life so we can see kind of an analogy of, oh, that's what you're doing with us, Lord. That's what you're doing with us. You're, over these, this relationship, this journey of faith, you're teaching me to walk with you. How amazing of a person I can be. How things I never dreamed about. I'm sure that the horse has never dreamed. I can walk in here and I can cut this cow out and I can stop him and let the cowboys get him and all that. Never dreamed they could do that. It's the same way for us. God says, you never even dreamed of where I want to take you. The scripture that we ended with last week, that no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has conceived the things that God has in store for those who believe in him. I believe that more today than I did 20 years ago when I read it for the first time. So we're going we're gonna to jump in today. How many remember eight or 10 years ago, it was on all the t-shirts, the bumper stickers, the, everybody was hashtagging YOLO. Do y'all remember that? Y-O-L-O. And what did it stand for? Somebody shout it out. You only live once. Can I tell you that? That's a phenomenal saying in the hands of intelligent people. But it, it can lead to great experiences. Hey, don't, don't, be, don't be chicken. You know, don't be bashful. You only live once. Experience some things in life. Those need to be intelligent things, right? In the hand, and I think in my life, there were some great things. I remember growing up, and, and I had a, my mom, as, uh, as I entered high school, we re, really developed our relationship, had a lot better relationship. And I, me and my mom took my senior trip by ourselves. We went to Mexico. We went cavern diving. I remember first going to the little class about, we're going to go in these caves underwater. And I'm like, nope, not me. God would have given me gills, a flashlight in my head, all kinds of stuff, which would have been obvious signs to swim underwater in the dark, okay? Other than that, he wants me on land where it's dry and I can breathe. Can I get an amen? amen. But So a year before that, we started. And we start, I got certified in scuba diving. I got certified in all different kinds of stuff. You know why? So that we could go experience something incredible like that. I thought, you only live once. Go. I did the caverns. Their room's like this big. I didn't do the caves where they have the signs that say experienced divers have died beyond this point. I go, there's your sign. Don't go in there, right? Right? So it's great on those kind of things. YOLO is good if you experience some of those kind of things. But it can also be bad. I remember thinking, hey, you only live once at the top of a mountain in Loveland, Colorado. When I pointed my skis straight down the mountain and thought, it's snow, right? What could it hurt? And four months later, and a broken knee, broken shoulder, months of rehab, still have metal in my body and all that. Let me tell you, you can take the YOLO thing a little step too far. You know, so you need to be intelligent on that. Well, I'm here, to, I'm, I'm going to start a new saying today. 
And I just want you to know that you can use it. I have a copy written it. You can put it on T-shirts. If you get rich, just tithe off of it, okay? That's the way it works with preachers. Just, just, just give to God's cause. And, and here's, here's the name of the message today. If you have your orange bulletin, notes are in there. If, if you're watching, I mean, if you're, uh, if you're on version, you can take notes that way. The title of the message is You Only Live Twice. You Only Live Twice. And I know that because I've lived two lives, and they're almost half and half right now. Because I gave my life to Christ at 23 years old. About 23 and a half, almost exactly. And now that I'm 49, I've just lived a little bit longer with Jesus than I have without him. And some of that thinking of, you really live twice in this life, came from verses like this one right here out of John chapter 3. It says this, Jesus replied, and I tell you the truth. I like it when Jesus says those things. I like it. It's, it's like, I like the pattern of my preaching off that. You know, when I'm telling you something, I go, can I be honest with you? Like I say that about 10 times every message. Can I be honest? As if I'm going to lie. But I'm not going to lie. I'm saying like what Jesus said. Like this is important. Like can I be honest? Like this, we've got to get this. This is what Jesus is saying. Can I tell you the truth? Unless you're born again, you can't see what I see. He said you can't see the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. But he's not just talking about this non-seen place in another dimension somewhere. You know how I know that because when, when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, one of the first things he said is, how about your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Like let us be a part of bringing God's potential into this world, right? And so when you're born again, when you stop living just for you, that first life, and you're born again into that Jesus life, that second life, whatever you want to call it. And you say, you know what, from here, this point forward, it's not just about me. It's about me following him and seeing what he wants to do in my life. It's about me trusting him. That's when we start to see what God is doing on this planet. Isn't that good? I love that. Unless you're born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. We're not just talking about heaven. Good grief. If, if That's the least of your worries. How about heaven on earth? How about heaven in your relationships? Amen? How about, how, how about heaven in your marriage? Woo, preach it, pastor. Everybody married should have just shouted me down on that one. Let's try it one more time. How about, how about heaven in your marriage? Yeah, see, that, that, the honeymoon just started all over again, all right? How about heaven in your career? Yeah, I, I would love that. Being able to see what, what God is doing in the people around me at work. I would love that. How about heaven in my school? Yeah. Whew. Unless we're born again, unless we're following him, we're not going to be able to see what he's doing, what his kingdom is on this planet. So today, I want to I want to take us through that. Like I said, the last couple of months I've been teaching. This is much more practical life application, taking God's word and applying it to how I live. And I, I want to go pretty quick through this because I have a bunch of stuff to share today. I really hope that today these Jesus life principles can be used by all of us to spur us on to walk in some of that potential that God has for us. Amen? If Jesus was here and he said, how many are, how many are ready to untap that potential that God has in you, the way you see things, the way you understand things, the way you speak about things, the way you pray about things, the way you understand life, there wouldn't be anybody in here that wouldn't get everything Jesus had. We would all want it. I encourage you this morning, 
let's just jump on that hairy horse and let's just see where it takes us today. How about that? Tweet that out and see what the retweets you get on that. Hebrews 12, 2 says this. Here's great advice for the whole, the whole message. Keep your eyes on Jesus who began and finished this race that we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. So here's our advice. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item. Who knew there was good, practical life advice in the Bible? When you find yourself struggling, when you find yourself going through situations that pulling your faith away from you, you know what you do? You go and study the, the books in the Bible that are written about Jesus. Go study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go study those four. See how Jesus did it. And then copy him. He loves to be plagiarized. Just do what Jesus did. Learn to take everything to prayer. Learn to trust God in situations. Learn to say yes no matter what. It's so good. So here's the first principle. Go through life looking up and not around. Here's some of the principles that we get out of Jesus' life. Go through life looking up, looking at him, keeping your eyes focused on him, just like Hebrews 12 told us, and not looking around. Listen, let me just tell you, I can identify sin pretty good now. How about you? Can you identify sin pretty good? Like sin doesn't sneak up on me anymore. Like, I know what sin is. I know that's bad for me. That's bad for me. That's, that scares the fire out of me. I'm going to stay away from that, right? I know those things in my life. I've identified them. I've got set free from them. We still duke it out every now and then, right, because I'm still on earth, but, but I'm free from those things. But let me tell you what is Satan's number one trick in our lives. It's distraction. Number one, out of everything he could do, he, he doesn't have to get us to fall completely away and deny Christ this afternoon. He knows that's a long haul for some of you. But what he wants to do is distract you from keeping your eyes on him. Distract you so that you don't see what he's doing in your life. What he, how he's answering some of your prayers already. How he's providing the very thing you've been praying about this year. That, that's Satan's job is to get you distracted off of God. And think about what distractions are in this world. I, I can name mine, that's for sure. But think about all of them that, uh, that hits us all. Relationships can distract us. Amen? The right ones and the wrong ones can distract us off of God if we're not focused on him, if we're not doing Hebrews 12, keep our eyes on Jesus. How about finances? You ever been tempted with one of those jobs? Well, double your pay. You just have to work 112 hours a week. That's it. You have to travel every weekend until you're 70. Oh, yes, but I'm going to be the VP. And you weigh that distraction in your mind. Think about the things that distract us in our life. Let me read you. I'm going to read you three scriptures like they're, like they're one passage. Is that all right? As long as I tell you up front, that's not going against God or anything, is it? I'm going to put them all together. I'm just going to read them like a bit of advice for us to, to remember to look up and not just around. It says this, Jesus talking in Mark chapter 4, the seed fell among the thorns, and he, he had just given the illustration about when you hear God's word in your life and the, the different types of seed that, that God's word is. And he's explaining it right here. The seed that fell among the thorns, it represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. 
the lure of wealth, the desires of other things, so no fruit is produced. First Corinthians says, I'm saying this for your benefit, not to, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. And then Galatians 5 verse 7 says, you are running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? Like, and I, and I put those together because they could be one passage, but throughout the New Testament, throughout the New Testament, Paul and, and the other writers and Jesus remind us, listen, even when Jesus is talking, we hear the word of God, but we're distracted by what's going on tomorrow at work, right? And then it doesn't plant deep in our heart, and then there's no fruit produced, the only way that that works is Hebrews 12 is to keep our eyes on him, just to look up and not let the distractions of life take away our faith. Right? When we're running the race, who cut in on you? Sometimes it's not a who. Sometimes it's a what. Those distractions, that, uh, the lure of wealth, the desire of other things in our life. Other things. Let me just tell you, the number one weapon of the enemy is not just blatant sin. That's down the road a little bit. But the number one enemy is distractions. And I just want to ask you today, start preparing your mind now for our prayer at the end of this service. Let's pray at the end of this service the things that distract us and keep our eyes off of the path that Jesus wants us to take. Today we're going to identify those things and we're going to ask God to help us to not be distracted by them and to focus our lives on him. Amen? So easy but today we're going to be intentional about that. We're going to take care of it. The second point is this. The second life principle for our second Jesus life, however we say that, is giving up something now for something you want later. Whew. Giving up something now for something you want later. Let me ask you, who, who wants to follow where Jesus wants to take you? That's a good churchy question, isn't it? Listen, I can tell you that uh, me and my wife have been here at South Point for nine years, over nine years. And about 10 years ago, I remember I was in my, in my bedroom, my wife was in our bathroom, and I got a call from one of the board members at South Point. We were at a great church on the north side that we helped start, and well, we got there right after they started, a year after they started, we helped grow it, we pioneered the youth ministry, that's what we did, became associate pastor, my wife became the executive pastor, just, we were just going and blowing, we thought this is as good as life gets, we were on staff with family, and some friends, lifelong friends, it was just amazing, and then we got a call from one of the board members at South Point, and they said, hey, we're, we're kind of in over our head, we've built a building, and uh, it's, it's not jiving. We're, we're shrinking. Would you come in, you and Jenny, and, and help us? And we're going to kind of rearrange things, re, redo the way we do ministry. And we're going to head in a different direction, see if we can reach people for Jesus. We're not, we're not reaching people anymore. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll pray about it, and we'll let you know something in you know, a couple of days or whatever. And they said, okay, great. And, and I can be honest with you now, nine and a half years later. Can I be honest? Jesus said, i tell you the truth. When I hung up the phone, I laughed out loud. I said, I was youth pastor at Grace. It was great, but I'm not going backwards. Like, well, I fought hard. I, la I laughed and said, nope, not doing it. Love, love it. Love South Point. Love the people there. Not doing it. 
because we worked hard to, to start a new church and it, we didn't have a lot of the tradition and the things that would hold ministry back at the time. We said, we're not doing that. And I went on for about three or four minutes, just walking around the room, not doing it. Have you ever done that? That's how I feel. It's going to be rough. Why would I ever do that again? Making lots of money. I'm working with friends. I can wear shorts to the office. It was the best you could ask for. And sitting on the bed, and I just went back to checking stuff on my computer. And Jenny walked in, and she goes, "Do you? Uh, is that is that what you think about that?" And I said, "Yep, that's it. We don't. I don't even need to pray about that." And she said, "Well, I, I'm I'm going to pray about it." You ever do that to your spouse? Good spouses know exactly what the other spouse is doing when you do that. And it took me about a minute, and I said, okay, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, but I'll pray about that. And she said, why don't, why don't we do this? While it's fresh on our minds, well, I'll go in the living room, you can stay in here, and why don't we just take five minutes? Why don't we just take five minutes and just pray a little something, and just ask God to give us direction, and go from there. And I was like, great, because I already knew the answer. I'd been saying it for ten minutes. You ever been there? Yeah. But, but remember that the goal is to give up something now for something I want later. And in the middle of sitting on, on my bed, I had my comforter kicked out. I was relaxed. It was like a Saturday afternoon. I was just, just relaxing. I didn't need any help from God right now. I already knew the answer. But I'd already stated what I wanted in life. And above anything else, what I wanted is to follow God. It's the reason we went to North Church. They, we, we had actually, I told this story about a month ago that we had interviewed with one of the biggest churches in America and they wanted to hire us, offered us the job. And we said no. And we couldn't believe it. We were like, oh, we're trying to follow God. And this was like five or six years before. And we ended up going to North Church who couldn't pay us. They didn't have a position. And we preached out and we, we raised our own money to live on. Have you ever done that? That is the weirdest thing in the world to do. We did that. So now here, five years later, like we're getting paid full time. Like why would we want to go back and do anything hard? I already know the answer. I'm saying that because, because God is good in spite of what we say. Because I'd already said, God, you know our heart. Just like when we came to North Church, we, we want to follow you. That's what we want. We want to follow you. I was praying about a whole 30 seconds. And God said, this is what I've been doing in you for the last year. This is why I'd already changed positions from a youth pastor to an associate pastor at North Church. I'd already been helping the executive team do some things. I'd already been kind of getting a peek behind the scenes of how you lead a church and got to have my input in there. So Jenny was already one of our executive pastors helping all ministries. God had already been doing it for the last 18 months. It's just I didn't want to take part in that. I didn't think. But can I tell you, the reason I could be honest with you is because now, and, and really I could have told you a year after that, but now I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. It is the best. South Point is the best. As we're interviewing worship pastors, you know what one of my greatest lines is? I'm like, listen, we have the healthiest staff I've ever been a part of. We have the healthiest church I've ever been a part of. Like, our people love each other. We get along you'll love it here. And I can honestly say that. And I'm glad that God understood what I needed and what I really wanted versus what I was saying for the emotion of the moment. 
Aren't you glad that God does that? And I ran across Peter in the Bible. Now, Peter was being really honest a lot, but a spot where he was really honest in Matthew 19. Peter's, Jesus is saying, you got to give up your life. If you want to find your life, you got to lose it. And Peter's like, okay, but, and Peter gets real practical. And here's what he says. Then Peter said to him, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? I love that because I'm just assuming that everybody in here has thought that at one time or another. Like, I'm, I'm giving up everything. What, what do I get in return? Like, just in a practical way, what do I get in return? And listen to what Jesus says. Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers. All right, that, there's the trick. Giving up something that I wanted now or even wanted to avoid to go get what I want later is I want to I follow him is what I want. And here's what he says. You that have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones. And he's not, he's, he's, I, I, don't, I think that's a figurative speech. You also will be rulers. You will be leaders because you've learned to follow. You'll also help in this process. Judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone, and that's us. Poke your neighbor real quick. So that's you. All right, that's everyone. And everyone who's given up stuff, given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake. Everybody that's given up stuff, positions, things for me. I'm going to reward you for that. He said, for my sake, we'll receive a hundred times as much in return and we'll inherit eternal life. But, but many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem, I like that word seem, those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. Like he's trying to help Peter understand. I, I get what you're saying, Peter. Thanks for being honest. I get what you're saying. We all wonder that. But I just want you to know that none of it's going unseen. When you give up things now, because your greatest desire in life is to follow Christ, he said, you're going to get to see. Remember what he said, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom. Not only will you get to see, but you get to be a part of what God is doing. Isn't it great? When, when you give those things up, God says, I'm taking note of it all. I see that when you give up promotion, I see that when you give up relationship or dating or whatever it is, for me, I'm on the other end of that rewarding you in your walk of faith. I love that. And then the last one is this. The last one is this, that we intentionally live to make a difference. We intentionally live in our life every day to make a difference. Listen, remember first, we're not going to be distracted by the stuff in life because that can kill our difference-making ability. We're not going to be distracted. We're going to keep our eyes focused on him. And secondly, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to worry about getting everything now. I'm going to give up things now so that I can follow him because that's what I want. I want my kids to be able to see that. I want my grandkids to be able to see that. I want them to see that in an example, not just coming out of my mouth. Amen? And thirdly, those together will help me intentionally live every day to make a difference for God on this planet, to bring heaven to earth now, that his will and his kingdom would come now and use me as a conduit. Last three, fill in the blanks of that. How do, you, how do you do that? We talk about this all the time at South Point. Number one is to live intentionally by share, intentionally sharing my resources. If you believe that everything in your life, your, your personality, your finances, your gifts, talents, who you are, all of that comes from God. 
Wouldn't you think the greatest way to honor him with that is to be to give it back to what he's doing on this planet? I'm just glad that he only asked for little bits, percentage. That, that he doesn't say, hey, I want you to sell your house, your car, your clothes, everything, and just do like Jeremiah. Just lay with no clothes on out in the street. Of the, I feel pretty privileged. Get some clothes on today. It's great. But if we don't live intentionally with our resources, then can I tell you that number one, the distractions will just take all of our resources if I don't live intentionally. So here's what I challenge everybody to do when people ask me, how do, how do I start living intentionally with my resources, my, my personality, my gifts, all that kind of stuff, my, my finances? You get a plan. How about that? How about we just live intentionally? We just get a plan. Get a plan. When, I remember when my wife, when, when we were dating and she started looking at my finances, and she's still doing them to this day, she started looking and she's like, you haven't paid taxes in four years. <laughs> Your car tag's three years out of date. I'm, I'm like, I'm in college, YOLO. Right? No, I probably didn't say YOLO. But I'm like, I'll catch up, I'll catch up. And she goes, no, that's not how you be successful. We're going to get a plan. We're going to get a plan and start working. But I remember we, as we started we got engaged and we got married. Then we said, listen, we need to be intentional with all of our resources. And I remember getting a plan, got a plan financially. We couldn't even start, you know, the Bible talks about tithing being a 10%. There's no way we could start with that. We're making like $500 a month. We couldn't start with that. We started with like, we're going to start giving 1%. We're going to start serving at the church. We're going to, that's our time. We're going to start doing those things. And over time, that plan grew into what God was leading us to do. The second one is to be intentional by sharing your time. Can I tell you that you helping somebody on this planet will be one of the greatest rewards in your entire life? If you haven't, trust me on that. When we do outreaches and different things, I mean, I, I appreciate so much the people that stuffed eggs with candy. 10,000 eggs so that children could fight their parents for the good stuff Easter afternoon. But it gave them an opportunity to come here, to hear the gospel, to be a part of what God's doing at South Point, just, just by giving of their time, just by stuffing some eggs. And whether that's flipping burgers or teaching kids a story or, or serving at an outreach, something in the city that we uh, support, there's incredible opportunities to give of your time. And then lastly, by intentionally sharing our Savior. Can I tell you, it's been 26 years now, but it seems like yesterday in some aspects. It seemed like it was just yesterday when I said, I'm done living for me. And the only person I could think about was my cousin who'd been sharing Christ with me for the last two years. While I'm out doing all the lost people things, he's showing up and sharing Jesus. Scott, God's got a plan for your life. I'm like, would you shut up and get out of my house? I said it a hundred times if I said it once. Still to this day, one of my best friends. Can I tell you that people need what you have? Last verse, 2 Samuel 14. All of us must die eventually. Our lives like water spilled out on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. We get that, but listen to this. Listen to this part. But God 
does not just sweep life away. Instead, he devises ways to bring us back when we have been separated for him. My prayer is that he doesn't just bring you back, but he devises ways to use your story and somebody else's story. That he saved you for not just saving you, but saved you to save somebody else. I'm so glad that Jason, my cousin, wasn't just, I just need to focus on staying saved. I just need to focus on staying. I'm glad he didn't have that mentality. I'm glad that he thought, man, what I've got, Scott really needs. Because that's the difference. That was the starting place. That's what changed my life. Can we do that today? And let's, let's pray for that. Let's start with what we said we were going to start with at point one. First of all, Lord, help us to identify distractions in our life and move them out of the way and focus on you. And then help us, help us, help us live this life intentionally. Can we do that today? Let's pray together. Lord, we are so thankful for your word. It's amazing how practical, how real your word is today, just like it was when it was written to its original audience. We're, we're just like the people you spoke about to Peter. We're those who are following you, Lord. Each day of our life, we're learning. We're learning to follow you more. And that's our first prayer today. Jesus, we know that distractions come into our life and pull our attention away from you. That keeps us from growing our relationship with you, stepping out in faith. And Lord, we pray today that you would help us to identify the distractions in our life and help us to move them out of the way and grow in our faith to intentionally live our lives in such a way that, that we're not just following you, but we're serving your people. I guess it comes back to that we're, that we're loving you and we're loving people. Lord, I pray you'd help us today to lay down distractions, to lay down the, the things that keep our eyes and our heart and our mind from you. And you'd help us to be intentional with our resources, our time, and telling others about you. I know that if we just start somewhere today, Lord, and head in your direction, you'll lead us right to where you want us to be. You'll help us to reach our full potential in you. And with your eyes still closed, I want to pray one more prayer. I want to pray a, a prayer for somebody in this room that may not know Jesus. And today would be the day through this message or through the, the, the worship or whatever it was that God's speaking to your heart and says, today's the day. We need to open your life. You need to open your minds. You need to invite Jesus in. If that's you, that's who I want to pray for today. I won't embarrass you. I won't call you up front. I'm not going to call your name or anything like that. But if that's you and you're going to take that step to invite Jesus in, would you let me know while nobody's looking and just Give me a little hand wave real quick. Just look up and give me a little wave and it lets me know I'm making that decision today, Scott. I'm making the decision to let Jesus in. Awesome. Anyone else? Then while I pray, will you tell him? As I pray, will you tell him, say, hey, Lord, that's me. Jesus, I'm following you starting today. Let's pray that together. Lord, we love you and we thank you for loving us. We thank you that you devise ways to pull us back to you when we're separated from you. Thank you for never giving up on us. And Lord, for these that raise their hands today 
I pray that you do the miraculous work of salvation in their lives, Lord. Save them right now from their past. Forgive them from their past. Forgive them of their mistakes, their sins, their errors of their ways. And Lord, from this day forward, may it be a life about following you. I know, I know that you'll teach them. Surround them full of people that are, with people that are full of God, that'll encourage them and lead them in the right direction. Help us as a church family to be a part of that process, Lord. And I pray that each of us in this room today would walk out of here with a, with a purpose, Lord, uh, with an uh, untapped potential in your hands that we would live intentionally to make a difference for you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, if that's you, before we leave this service, if that's you that made a decision, Or if you say, you know what, I I need more information. I made a decision last week. That communication card in your bulletin is key for that. We're not going to stop by your house and quiz you over the Bible or anything like that. But what we will do is send you some resources, email them to you to help you be successful in your walk of faith. So if that's you, we want to encourage you to fill that out. You can leave it on your seat when you leave or you can drop it by the welcome booth because we want to be a part of what God's doing in your life. Amen. All right, let's stand together. Let's worship. Our prayer team's coming forward. If you need prayer for anything, we hope you have an